Welcome to the Clean or Sober podcast in Columbus. This is a podcast which includes guests who are either in recovery or sobriety. We talk about topics, we share war stories, some funny, some ridiculous, some hilarious, and most importantly, we share experience, strength, and hope. If you have any questions, you could email me at cleanersobercolumbus at gmail.com. Thank you. Today's guest, this one is a doozy. We, uh, we talk a little bit about relapse, some war stories, talk about him quitting cold turkey in Bali, um, talk about the story with me shoving a credit card up my ass cheeks. You have to stick around. There's some good stuff involved in this one. All right, so we're live, dude. We're live. Here we are. <laughs> I know. Right before the uh, before we started, we were talking a little bit about how COVID has effect, affected the the weird early early times of recovery or sobriety. Yeah, dude, for sure. It definitely definitely for me, man. Like we've talked about it before, but you know, I was just past ninety days, and then all of a sudden you know, meetings basically shut down. And so, you know, I was, I was told by you and a lot of other people, Hey, try to make a meeting a day, you know, for 90 days. And I was on track getting that done. And then when that happened, I was like, well, wait a minute. I know they said a meeting a day for 90 days, but I should probably continue to do this, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, man, very quickly, it was that much easier to go to a meeting with the zoom meetings. Like it, it was, it was, it was totally, but it was also that much easier to say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not taking, going to a physical destination for a meeting. And then it just got that much easier for me to, to not be going to meetings. Yeah. And it's much easier, right? Uh, even a lot of my, my companies moved to zoom meetings and it's much easier just to check out. Yeah. I've noticed that, you know, I try to be present and hear what the message is and pay attention, but it's much easier also to scroll through and, and talk shit or make fun of people, you know, who messaging are, back and forth, yeah, or chatting with somebody else that's on the meeting, making or... a mistake and sending his chat to everyone versus just one person. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, man, I, I think that was what I shared in my first few zoom meetings was, you know, how am I going to sponsor people? Um, you know, I even had somebody brand new in addition to you, yeah. uh, you know, that's what I push heavy and that's, um, that 90 and 90 is really, I think just a way for somebody to experience a power greater than themselves. Uh, you know, if they don't have a concept and to build right. that, to build that. So that was one of, that was a huge challenge. Yeah, for sure. I remember when it, when it like first kicked off, I was actually pretty diligent about, okay, I'm going to figure out these zoom meetings. I'm going to, you know, make this happen. And, and it was just different, but it was, Mm -hmm. it was still great. It was still a meeting and it felt good. And then I remember having this like long period and I'm even guilty of this now of just very sporadically going to meetings. Mm -hmm. But when I do go, man, we've talked about this too. Like when I do go, like I feel good about being in a meeting. Right. So I don't know why I can, you know, I can go down to my studio. I can sit at my kitchen table. I can Mm -hmm. be eating dinner with my wife and just turn the video off. Like it's not hard. Yeah. So then the question kind of becomes where am I lacking in my program Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, cause it's not that I don't want to go to the meetings. I think for the first time in my life, like, I genuinely feel confident about the fact that I don't want to use. Right. And I've never had that before. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, man, I got to figure this out because at the time, if there does come a time down the road, which I'm sure there's going to be good times, bad times, hard Mm -hmm. times, you know, um, when that time comes, I've always got you, I feel like, because our relationship's so close. Right. right? Um, I've got a sponsee who calls me irregularly, you know, Um, but I, I want to be loaded up and ready with the literature and the answers. That's one of the things I love about having you as my sponsor. Like you direct me though. We're so close on like a friendship level. Um, when it comes to something serious, like you really do. And I really appreciate it. You direct me towards the literature and that Mm -hmm. comes from you having such a solid understanding of it. Through a solution. and And yeah. And working through saying, Hey, you know, this is my experience. And then this is what the literature says. And I feel like myself, 
getting into the, you know, this is the first time I've ever been a sponsor for somebody. Mm -hmm. And my inclination originally is to just almost give advice. Like, Hey, this is, you know, this is, this is what I think. And I see that you don't do that. I see that you don't do that to me. Yeah. You're doing a disservice to anybody to build that relationship with the God of their understanding and to develop their own recovery when you give advice. In addition to that, it says, it says that in the literature, you know, we're not, we're not relationship experts. We're not financial. We're not banks. We don't give medical advice either. So, um, when you mentioned, you know, you got to be ready, uh, and have some solid base. If something comes up, statistically speaking, men in general, they don't really use when things are going bad. They use when things are going good. Really? So a lot of times it I could see that from the relapses I've had, it's everything's perfect and the the I could use just one or it's a substitution. From my experience, I know it's anecdotal because you know, I'm one I'm one person. Uh, yeah. but just being here almost nine years my time next November. Let's talk this about November. That. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk 30th. about let's talk about the fact that you you have or haven't relapsed. You haven't relapsed. No, right? no. And I was talking to a friend of ours last night after we uh, after we uh, finished playing some Call of Duty, and um, I just checked up on him. You know, he had gone through some things and reached out to me, and I just called him and said, hey, "You're are you still good to go? How are you doing? I know you went through a little bit of a rough patch that day, and did right. you reach out to anybody?" But um, yeah, I mentioned for me, I know a lot of people I hear in the meetings say it. And I just want to take him for their word, but I don't, you know, I hear a lot of times people say how absolutely horrendous and difficult it was. I don't know if I just had such a surrender and I knew that if, um, you know, I don't beg for money and I don't ask for money when I'm, when I'm sick, I commit crime and I knew like I was going to be in prison. Right. So I don't know if it was that much of a surrender, but I told him I really didn't have using thoughts thought of using forever um and it wasn't even my drug of choice when the first time I did I was on campus it was 71 degrees and I just saw so many people sitting out there drinking hanging out and I was just like I had a fleeting thought like more of a resentment towards my disease like you know why can't I do that you know that would be amazing to have just three drinks and (laughs) Call it a night. Three and, with a zero on the end yeah, of it. Maybe have <laughs> something good to eat and just to appreciate that night. But, um, yeah, so. Yeah, dude, that <clears throat> I have unfortunately have a lot of experience with relapse um, on the other side of that. And you know that. Um, man, when I look back on uh, the, I guess the thing that I look at is um, the, in using my own experience is that this is the first time that I've ever worked steps. So like fully, fully You've worked steps before. like I've started them and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, pitter pattered through them and, and would just kind of, you know, read a little bit or what I had to or whatever. But this is the first time that I full on like got into step work. And, um, uh, this is the longest truly that I've ever had clean. Um, and I look back at, you know, I had stints in, um, you know, different, uh, different places where I was trying to, you know, find the solution institutions, whatever. And, um, the one thing that I can look at right now is that like, wow, like I've, I've actually worked steps and I feel like I have a grasp, not a fantastic grasp. Like I see that, that you have, but I have a grasp on it Mm -hmm. and, um, man, all of my relapses before, because I'm such a all or nothing person, when I was ready to relapse, like it, I, for me, it wasn't like it snuck up on me. It was just like, Hey, I'm here. And it was think, do Mm -hmm. think, do. And so I like thought about it, had no, no form of base, no, no recovery, no steps. No, you know, I would just show up for meetings and because I didn't have any of that, I feel like it just made it that easy to just say, okay, I'm going to use just once, even though I knew that was not going to be the case. And I would never, for me, it would never go like, oh, you know, my that drinking, for example, wasn't my drug of choice. And so mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't just go out and have a drink. I'm like, screw this. If I'm going to throw away my clean time, I'm going to do it the way I want to. 
And um, yeah, and I think that's the mind trying to you know. That's the way a lot of th- a lot of it happens. One, alcohol is legal, right? right. So a lot yeah. of people in your life aren't gonna, you know, until yeah. she kind of realized it. If you just, you know, drank three nights a week, she probably would never ask a question. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, but yeah. um, second is is I think my mind's way of I know that's the way. I have two DUIs, so um, you know, in multiple stories, so I know for a fact what it looks like. But anyway, yeah, yeah no, for sure, <clears throat> I'm uh. I'm thankful though. Um, one of the speaking of relapse, I, I remember we talk about this once in a while, but uh, <laughs> I used to get these text messages from you just very randomly. Mm-hmm. And the text message said, uh, Hey man, you found the solution yet? And did you find the cure? Did That's you find the cure? Say. Not the solution, the cure. Yes. Thank you. And um, I always took it in love. Like mm-hmm. I, I knew what you were asking me. Uh, but when I look back at that and see the love that you were showing me without calling me and saying, Hey dude, I know you're still using and you know, I'm here for you. It felt, it felt like, damn, like he's, he's there for me. He cares. And I think that's why, uh, that's why I came back to you in terms of asking to be my sponsor. When I did come back, I was like, you know what, this dude, (laughs) I've shown up high and work steps with you, uh, way back when Mm -hmm. and it's one of those things that i've talked to you about and it's it's a hard thing to face but it's it showed me the level of desperation both to you know how how strong the addiction was and that obsession and compulsion and all of that was but at the same time i think it also showed me um looking back on it like man i really did want to be clean i've wanted to be clean for a long time did you want to be clean when you got clean no, no, I, you know, I, I told you why I checked in where I did and what my plans were. Right. And, you know, my primary goal when I was doing that was just to let you know, and I say this to you all the time, so you're probably sick of hearing it, but that I, that I was here to be a vessel, right. you know? Um, and that's really, but no, I didn't, I checked into, you know, the place I did with the plan of being out in three days, you know, uh, the, the girl that I was with at the time was making like four grand every two weeks working her ass off. And she got paid on Friday. I went in there on Tuesday and I was like, I'm, I'm getting out on Friday and some way, because it's just weird. Um, the people that are in your lives, regardless of how many times I've stolen from her and taken her debit card and Mm -hmm. made up a reason she continued to give me the debit card knowing what the results were going to be um, versus if it was me, you would never be able to get it. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I planned on coming out in three days. Um, that was it. You're nope. like, I'm getting out. I'm using, that's it. Yeah. She's got all this money. I know I'll, I'll at least probably be able to skim a thousand off somewhere. Give right. me a couple of days of freedom and um, a couple of days of freedom. Right. <laughs> Speaking of which, I remember my first spiritual awakening was the, when I got out of treatment uh, 57 days later and she still didn't have a bank account, you know, because I, I, I completely, trashed met, everything. I trashed everything. I mean, I, you know, I had, um, check cashing loans in her name. I had already, I withdrew money from her 401k as her, I called up and, and, uh, as a act, female acted like her. Yeah. I talked in like a weird high pitched voice. That? No, she still wants to hear I it to this day. I, no, I will. That. Maybe at some point I'll tell you, but she so she still wants me to talk like the, uh, kind of the country girl that I, the voice that I did. Um, you do do good impressions side note. So <laughs> I know. continue. But, uh, yeah. So she got her check cashed and there was literally, you know, like $2,800 in there. And the first thing I did was I opened it up and I was like, she was asleep, $2,800 in cash in her wallet. And what I did was I went 2,800 divided by 30. (laughs) And I literally knew exactly how many days that would provide me of using. And that was my first like spiritual awakening moment. Like one, how ridiculous is that? You know, that wasn't even a full 30 days. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. Yeah, dude, I... I think I, I think it's interesting. I hear when, when I talk to you, when I talk to other addicts, when I talk to people in recovery, I think it's interesting how the stories and the experiences can be so different, but the root of everything is the same, right? So 
Um, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, when I was a lot younger, um, the, the criminal side of it was much more prevalent. And mm-hmm. I feel like as I, as I got older, a couple of things happened. One financially, well, first of all, let's just put it out there. I was a spoiled kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when I would ask my dad for money to go to a football game or whatever, I specifically remember like if it was a bad Friday, I got a $20 bill and the tickets were like two bucks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it never asked for change. And so living through the side of, you know, the, the finances in some type of way were there and the manipulation was always there. So mama's boy over here was the, one of the, the things that I look back on and have a really hard time with in regards to that is, is the manipulation that I put people that, that I used to put people that I loved more than anything in the world through to be able to get, you know, ways and means to get more. And, um, my experience with it was that for me, it, it wasn't personally for me, the lack of financial wherewithal or the ability to figure that out. It was, it was more just the absolute over the top insanity that went along with the continued use. Mm -hmm. And it was never enough, dude. It just literally was never enough. It doesn't matter how much money I had. I was ready to spend at all <laughs> right and then manipulate somebody to get more mm-hmm. um and uh yeah i think i knew at a really early age i i remember actually probably looking back at 17 years old going into going into high school and popping a couple uh a couple pills and i had a zero period class with a good friend of mine and she would call me snake eyes and you know like that was her nickname for me and as i look back on that right now i'm like wow at 17 years old, she knew the days that I was coming in all toasted. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, and I don't think that's normal. I had a lot of friends that would use it a party, you know, would have fun with it, but then it didn't need to be every single day. A thing. A thing. Exactly. And that was never my story, man. Every, a thing went from this drug to this drug, to this drug, to this drug, to owe oh, a little break so that I can keep my family around to this drug, to this drug. Oh, I love my family again. I'm going to stop for a few days. Right. Just insanity, man. That's the crazy thing. Um, In the literature, it talks about, and it's true. You know, they talk about powers that are greater than ourselves, such as family, the loss of a loved one, uh, judges, things like that. But Mm -hmm. none of those are great enough. No. Um, I want to go back to, so in January, you're going to have a year. Yep. January 2nd. Um, and uh, just kind of take me take me through the brief, the brief insanity of the number of times that you've called me, uh, <laughs> cold turkey, <laughs> detoxing. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I uh, your most recent, the my most recent lovely story, and you can talk about it was in India. Jeez, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I. Uh, um, I was a wreck, dude. I, I always thought that like <clears throat> there, that the solution was just getting those few days. Right. And so I wanted it. I love my wife. I love, you know, my, I've got a, a business. I've got all these great things, a family that has always stuck by me, mm-hmm. you know? And I kept going back to, I think it was the excuse that like, listen, I've done every single treatment program. I've done every single type of way. I've done, I've done, I've done, I've done, I've done. I just need to stop. Mm -hmm. And dude, my family, uh, I'm getting around to what we're talking about here, but my family would always tell me that we can handle you being an addict, but we can't handle the lies. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the, the brilliant addict that I am, I come up with a couple weeks, few years ago. I'm like, you know what? Let's test that theory. My family hates that I'm lying to them. So why don't I just tell them all that I'm using and they have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, this is brilliant, you know? And was there any point before you continue that you thought when you told them that, that that would help you get clean? Yeah, for sure. I okay. thought that, I thought that it was going to be like, Hey, this is how desperate I am. I'm willing to just lay it out there for you guys and not lie about it. And I thought that, you know what, this is going to make it, you know, things better. This is another, you know, way that I can do it. 
And um, no, ultimately, I held everyone captive. Just flat out, I held my wife, my sisters, my mom and dad. I mm-hmm. held everybody captive to the fact that, hey, you guys said it. Now I'm living it, you know? And so, yeah, dude, the number of times that I called you, uh, probably my favorite story is I had plastered on my mirror in my bathroom right now. So everybody knows that I'm using and I'm quote unquote controlling my using and I'm going to wean. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I I remember that the Thanksgiving plan. Yes. The Thanksgiving plan. And so to the microgram, I had written down on a piece of paper and plastered it on my mirror. Uh, I think it was, I think it was three weeks ish to a month, how I was going to, to the microgram, take this down and down and down Mm -hmm. and down and down. And I did. And (laughs) then I continued using. And so ultimately for me, um, yeah, I can't tell you the number of times. And I think looking back on it, it showed my utter just will for survival and wanting to stop. I mean, shoot, I went into Marine Corps boot camp sick. Mm-hmm. and went through that. So when I look at that, I say, you know what? I know that me as a person, I'm a strong individual and I can do anything I want to do. So I tried to use that um, so many different times to stop. Now, coincidentally, ultimately, this time coming up on 10 months clean right now, <clears throat> I did this this time cold turkey. Do I recommend that? In my house with money in my bank accounts, mm-hmm. you know, all this craziness that people are like, What? Um, do I know I I've personally that? told you there's no way, yeah, no way possible I'd be here today if that were the case. I don't pat myself on the back for that, dude. I literally You've done just, it so many times though. It's like your thing. Yeah, it was. It was my. Th- it was like I'm gonna finally prove that I can do this. And ultimately, dude, I needed, I needed a combination of going through that misery and feeling it and mm-hmm. truly feeling it, working through it, and then immediately immersing myself into recovery. And that's ultimately the combination. Um, and I think finally for me, it was that, um, we've talked about the, the basically what is your level of surrender? Mm -hmm. And I was at a point where I was like, look, I've got the law at this point. You know, I I had uh, some gun charges. I was looking at some prison time and very real, it was sitting in front of me. And I remember the probation officer saying, look, like you use one time, I'm not giving you any chances and I'm going to put you in prison. And I looked at her and I was like, what a bitch, you know? <laughs> right. How but looking you? back on that, man, like it was a gift because ultimately I was like, you know what? I've got a beautiful home, a beautiful wife, a beautiful family, nieces and nephews, all of these great things. And I'm, I'm actually going to go throw it away again. A business that's thriving. <clears throat> and, um, I just finally said enough's enough, dude. Mm-hmm. And I was just ready. I think that's the big point. Is I was at a point where I was like, you know what? I don't want to live like this anymore. I really am. I'm going to surrender this time. And if this doesn't work, well, then heck, I don't even know where we'd be right now. But yeah, and I would say the the consistent message here that, you know, from people that I see all over the place um, through all the meetings and all the years is the consistent thing is a lot of people are able to stop. Even temporarily, there are a lot of people that I know that come in here, write a pink cloud. I make jokes about the people that, that aren't in meetings from prayer to prayer, which is what my sponsor suggested. Right. You know, a lot of people will come, come in, especially a young clicked up group. And, you know, I make jokes about doing kick flips out outside <laughs> the parking lot because they, they stay out and smoke and vape through yeah. all the readings and just kind of mosey back in. Um, but the consistent message of people that I see here that are still here, they got through all 12 steps mm-hmm. and they're of service in some way, shape or form. Doesn't matter what it is. You know, I have, you know, a sponsee or have maybe had sponsees over the years who may not work well with people. Right. They may never be a sponsor. Um, you know, may not be available to be a sponsor. So, but they're of service in other ways. Right. Um, opening meetings, chairing meetings, being there, carrying the message through the 12 step in every meeting they go to. So that's the consistency and difference that you have this time is you've worked through all 12 steps. For sure. Do you look at, um, what you, you always refer back to use God using you as a vessel. Mm -hmm. Do you truly look at and think you have an understanding of how much impact, like, 
um, you've had on my life, on your sponsee's life, on your own life as mm-hmm. a result of everything that you've done for other people. Do you think you have a grasp on that? I don't No, I seriously don't think about it that much. Um, I think, uh, I have gratitude, you know, I don't really think about the impact. I think I have gratitude when I see somebody grow, you know, through just me explaining it to them. And I remember my sponsor one time said, you know, how do the 12 steps, you know how the 12 steps work? And I was like, yeah, it was all gung ho. And he said, how do they work? And I was just like, silence. You know, I was just like, and he was like, exactly. He was like, you know how they work for you. And that's the whole point. Like I provided how it worked for me and the way they work for you is different than the way they're going to work for somebody else. Right. You know, cause you have different experiences. You had a different four step, you had a different six, eight, right. you have different experience when you make amends. Um, they're relatively the same. I mean, same output. Usually it's, you know, this is going to be more tragic than I, than it ends up being. But, um, right. Yeah. So I don't think about that. Um, but it is, it, you know, the joke I make, <laughs> I've said it to you several times is being of service is like pissing on yourself. You're the only one that you're the only <laughs> one that feels it and everybody else sees it. Yeah, that's the truth, <laughs> but it is, you know, it's just, um, that's why I think it's important that I, I push that so much, you know, um, getting through all, I, I've know I know several people who've been through all 12 steps and had sponsees and were involved and shed it all of that. But you'd see them in meetings all the time that aren't here. Right. Um, or just got through all 12 steps and never sponsored anybody. Yeah. And just sat in the back room on their phone, not being aware, not being present. Absorbed, uh, recovery through osmosis. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So it's just, that's the key. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things, um, for me, I had a really good grasp on, um, on step two and ultimately the God of my understanding. Yeah. And I think that's been super important for me in my recovery, but sometimes almost to a, it, it can be just like anything else. It can become the focus. And we've talked about this before where I have no problem saying that, you know, God's my focus. And as a result of that, boom, 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 you know, mm-hmm. one thing after the other. But, um, at the end of the day, like I know for me where I stand with that. Mm-hmm. So part of that gratitude, I think for me is needing to be able to do for someone else, like what you've been able to do for me or how God's used mm-hmm. you as a vessel. And I'm trying to do that with a sponsee of mine right now. And it's, it's hard because when the phone doesn't ring all the time, like you and I, I know we probably have a different relationship than a lot of sponsor sponsee mm-hmm. relationships. Um, you know, but when I, because I, I want to be able to do that for somebody else when the phone's not ringing, it's like, am you know, I feel like in the back of my mind, it's like, am I doing something wrong here? Did I not answer this question correctly? Did I not handle this the way that I should have? Um, and I think that's one of the things that, that, that bugs me in terms of the sponsor, uh, role is like, this is new to me, you know? When it's okay to say, I've said so many times, you know what, let me, I'm going to talk to my sponsor about it, you know, and run it by, you know, your sponsor to kind of get a different perspective. Right. So, but again, that's another weird thing with COVID. I mean, you probably would have at least another one, maybe two people that probably would have asked you by now. Yeah. Again, just for not, not being around, not being in meetings, mm-hmm. you know, not being in meetings. And I've never heard on a meeting. I mean, how do they, once that, the, 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 the fellowship's gone. Yeah. I everybody mean, you, just you, clicks, you, clicks you off at end, the end of the meeting. There's no after there's no yeah. people outside smoking. There's not the person that I've had come up to me and say they were, they were afraid to say anything during the meeting, but you right. know, is there any way you you're open to sponsoring somebody? Right. Where is that? Do they, they don't even know my name. Right. No, for sure. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I to that's why that. I want to get back. That's why I really want, I was actually just talking to my wife on the way here, um, about getting back into, and, and, and we had talked about this once, but I had talked to her on the way here. I was like, look, I need to commit to at least a meeting a week and going to a meeting. And, um, <clears throat> she doesn't need to understand everything, mm-hmm. but, I mean, her reaction is always, we'll go, 
you know, she jokes that, well, you got time to play Call of Duty. You know? <laughs> right. Um, and, and she's right. Um, I can't use my busy life running a business, uh, you know, baby on the way, all these wonderful things going on in my life. Uh, I can't have any of that if I decide just one day that, hey, you know what? I'm just going to use today when ultimately I know the end result to that, you know? Yeah, that's a, yeah. It's a better end. For sure. <laughs> Can you tell me the credit card story? Which one? The uh, <laughs> which, several of these. Which one? Several of these. The pillowcase. Okay, so, um, like I said, you know, I would, I, I had, didn't have a job. You know, I had, had uh, told my girlfriend that I had my car on a lot that was being consigned. He was trying to sell it for me, but I had already sold it, so I didn't have anything. <clears throat> So I would take everything from her and then steal when I couldn't. And so she comes home. She's pregnant, by the way. She's about six, seven months pregnant. And um, she she told me, and that's why it's really important through working a four-step to focus on assets and liabilities. You know, things where you, that you did well, things that you didn't do good. Um, through active addiction and current day, because even through using, there were times when it's not black or white. <clears throat> I'm not all hate, all anger. There were times when I had love and she told me, and I, I don't remember being this way, but she said when she was pregnant, like I really, I mean, I, I would give her back rubs. Like, but that's because that's who you are. I know, but see, I don't, rem- I don't remember that stuff. I don't. <clears throat> so it wasn't out of the ordinary when she came home and I knew she got paid and she, she works late 7 PM to 7 AM. So she'd come home and sleep. So she comes home, I start doing the back rub thing, and um, almost immediately, I get up. And I don't just get up like I'm going downstairs. I make it a point to say, eh, I'm going to run over here real quick. Well, she's hyper where she gets up. She comes downstairs, and she's like, where's my debit card? <clears throat> so I'm like, you know, basically telling her, she, I don't know what you're talking about. Are you? Did you put it over here? It might be over there. Long story short, I end up just giving it up saying, all right, you know, I'll just leave it here. So she takes her entire wallet and shoves it into her pillowcase like that she's sleeping on. So she's going to sleep on her wallet. She's going to sleep on her wallet inside her pillowcase. But I realized that she pushed it into the opening. She was laying on her right side. The opening was towards her face. So when she pushed it, she pushed it, which would have been behind her. Mm Mm-hmm. To the, all the way to the other side. All the way to the other side. So this wasn't a long, drawn-out algorithm that I put together. It was microseconds in my head. I'm like, I immediately was like, I'll grab a pair of scissors, and I'll go rub her back longer. And then I'll apologize. So I go I, I go upstairs, and I'm like, I'm, like, I'm sorry. Um, so I'm just, I didn't rub your back that long. So as I'm rubbing her back and kind of moving her a little bit because she's, she's shaking – with each shake move that she's doing, I'm I'm cutting a hole into the pillowcase. I can picture this right now. Mm-hmm. The so insanity snip, going on. Snip, snip with, with each, each rub. With each rub. Long story short, I pull the entire wallet out. And what I should have done is stayed there a little longer, rubbed her back until she just completely fell asleep. You know, um, or taken the debit card out and put it back in there. So she just felt the weight of it or felt that felt that it was solid. What I did is the minute it, <laughs> the minute I pulled it out and it was in my hands, I immediately popped up like, but a, let's pause because we know why that was. Yeah, At least I do. Right. You got to get it now. I got to go. I got to go. Popped up like a, a prairie dog. <laughs> Boop. I'm out. And she immediately, before I even got out of the bedroom, she reaches back and probably feels, where's this, where's this at? And she goes, she yells, Ray, where's my debit card? So at this point I had taken it and ran downstairs. You know, I was just going to leave, but I knew she, I couldn't do that. Like, so we're going around the house. We're, we're arguing back and forth, back and forth. So I came up with the bright idea. Um, you know, I'm pretty, pretty beefy that, uh, I had on a pair of gym shorts, you know, like any good addict would. Right. You know, a pair of Jordan basketball <laughs> shorts, <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, and uh, no underwear on, free balling. And um, so I, I come up with an idea again in microseconds. 
to make it a complete argument. I can't believe you're doing this. You know, how dare you? You can't trust me a bit. You're, you're ridiculous. Become so the victim. Yeah, I'm the victim. Put the card in the crack of my ass and just fully depends myself. <laughs> She's checking. I said, check my pockets. I'm standing there butt naked. Pull my shirt up. I'm out of here. Fuck this. You know, I can't believe you're this way. And she, she, I could tell she genuinely felt bad. Like, so she said, fine, just leave. So I left. And because I was worried, she thought I might have it on me. Uh, you know, I'm six three, two hundred and eighty pounds. I ran to Target like a fucking Kenyan doing a, you know, 200 K race. And quickly withdrew money out you know and i figured you know it was going to be bad so i took his not only did i take out four hundred dollars which was the max at the atm i then went and grabbed candy bars and did two did the cash. transactions so i can get cash, cash back, back which it looks like groceries you know right. if you're an addict you know that trick yeah doesn't look like you were drawing cash so um then i run back and the whole time i'm like i got a great story um so i immediately come in She's still up, you know, mind you, I don't know what time it is. She's worked her ass off. I'm like, I'm going to go upstairs. I, I say, you don't, you want to know where it is so I can just be done with this. I And I run upstairs, take it out of the crack of my ass and I set it up, up top. And then because I'm six, three, I reach up there and act like I'm grabbing it and it's already in my hand. And I go here and I threw it at her. Like, here's your card. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. And she's like, fine. Then I went and spent, you know, probably two hours in the South Side getting what I needed. Oh my God, dude! The <laughs> because I've heard that story before. I'm just replaying this as you're as you're telling it to me. The just utter insanity. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know you that way, right? So right. not at you've, all. You've got you know nine plus years clean, and it's like. I can't see that. Like, I cannot. I hear you tell that story, and I'm like, this guy's making this up. There is no way this dude. But then again, I look back on some of the things that I've done. And and if you asked people that know me, um, that really know me, they would tell you that, you know what? He's a great guy. Like, he's a good dude. Just really mixed up, lost, and addicted, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I have a very similar story to that. And it's an amends that, uh, that still need to be made to my, to my sister, to one of my sisters. And, um, you know, it wasn't quite as creative as yours, but I knew that my, I like the fact that you call that creative. (laughs) Like I did a great job. Well, that you, see, you are so we can sit resourceful. Here, we we can sit here and laugh about this, but it's sad, you know. Very it's sad. freaking really sad, and it's like the lengths that you'll go to with people that you love. And um, I, I well, have scientifically, a, you think you, your body thinks that it's dying, right? It needs to survive. Well, it feels like so it. that makes sense to us. If but it's a survival instinct, to normal at that people, point. they wouldn't understand that. But anyway, right. go ahead. Anyone your story. that's not anyone that's not in recovery listening to this is like, wow. These guys are absolutely insane. <laughs> if I ever met them, I would run. Uh, actually, you wouldn't probably ever even know. Right. But um, yeah, I, I had a similar story with my sister and she was, I don't remember it fully because I was in a really bad place in my life. Mm-hmm. I was like 19, 20 years old and um, I was doing all types of craziness. And uh, um, my sister was leaving to go on some sort of vacation. And at that point, you know, 17, 18 years ago, when you went on vacation, you took a lot of cash with you because, you know, card transactions, whether it be out of state, overseas, the banks didn't, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, so I knew that. And I went over there to see my sister before she left. But looking back on it, I don't know if I did being fair. I don't know if I genuinely went over there to see her before she left. Or did I go over there because I knew that there was going to be an opportunity for, you know, ways and means to get more, right? Or you could have seen her and then saw it and then that's a wrap. And put it together. Yeah. So I don't, I don't truly remember that because it was so long ago and I was in such a bad place. But 
ultimately, yeah, my sister was getting ready for vacation. It's not like she's loaded. It's not like she has unlimited means, uh, you know, or wealthy or whatever. And dude, I, her wallet sitting out. I start to reach into the wallet. I look in, there's a, a good chunk of money in it. I still don't remember to this day how much it was. I think it was at least a few hundred bucks probably. Mm -hmm. And I look in there and my first thought is if I just take the cash, she's going to know it's me. Mm -hmm. And so I take the entire wallet, right? And I end up throwing it over behind her. She has a TV that's up on a ledge mm -hmm. and it's somewhere that it's one of those old, big bulky TVs. Nobody's ever going to move. And I toss it up behind there. And I remember my whole family, like being truly upset with me, me not thinking about the fact that like, Hey dude, your wallet doesn't get up off the table and just mm -hmm. walk away on its own. And the fact that I was willing to say, Hey sis, I know you're, you know, going away on vacation and about to have a great time. You don't have any of these problems going on in your life, but let me just add a little turmoil before you leave. Right. And I was just talking to them, you know, the other day about some other just family type stuff. And, um, that particularly didn't come up, but just the fact that with some of the family stuff that we have going on now, how, how much my decision, my decisions or one person's decisions in a family can affect the rest of the family, dude. Like, do you look back and know like that your whole family was truly affected by what you were doing or did, or, or because I was the only one. So I didn't have the experience. Like it was always Nick. What did you do now? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, no, you with mine, there. it was way different because, um, <clears throat> I, it was total isolation. And I think it was because pretty quickly in, in my use when I, you know, because I, you know, I was abstinent after my second DUI, I didn't use anything. And then I started with alcohol again, you know, and I had people around me that have experienced my insanity on anything. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, you're, you really didn't have a problem with wine. I mean, you just drink a lot of beer. I was like, yeah, you're right. That's a good idea. You know, until it became, I needed to, but then with wine, you, you have to be a connoisseur. I'm just trying out the different reds. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, there's always a reason. Alcohol's yeah. messed up, man. Yeah. So, but, um, no, when I finally decided to, to find, you know, what I call my drug of choice, um, it was very quickly that I had felony warrants. And then, so the majority of my insane use was I just head out with my girlfriend, my family didn't know where the two places that we lived. They had no idea where we lived. I hit oh, out. You were just totally straight hit out. My name was on nothing. So they would not have a clue. And with apartments, you can't look up like you can on the auditor's websites today right. and find out where somebody's at. Right. Um, we didn't own anything. So I just, so I don't have the same experience. I was ghost. You were just out there doing it. And if I showed up, I knew I would be there for not long enough for anybody to, to be able to find me or care. And I'd be in and out. Like when I stole from my uncle and forged a check, mm -hmm. um, you know, I showed up, my aunt was there and I wasn't even going to do this. I went there just to, I borrowed, I was borrowing 20 bucks and I would do that. Like when I was out of money, I would call, you know, 10 people because right. then I could get 200 bucks maybe. Right. So I came over there to get 20 bucks I saw his business checkbook on the, uh, on the desk. Right. And it just, it hit me microseconds. My car's running. Do you, can you see if you hear something knocking? And she was like, yeah, oh, you were just setting her up so that you could have a, the checkbook alone. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So she went outside. I immediately ripped the check off. Right. But that was it. I was there for maybe two minutes. You know, and that's, uh, so I don't have the same experience. Yeah. I think um, I hit out. I, my family was so had, didn't have the experience with it that mm -hmm. I was like their, their resource for this is what addiction looks like. And, yeah. and, um, I feel bad about that, but, um, the reality is my family loved me through all. And it's one of the things that I'm really, really thankful for. I don't know. I hear a lot of people in, uh, in recovery, talk about how they basically have no relationship with their family. And I'm such a people person, 
You know, I go to the, I joke with my mom, like she'll go to the grocery store and she's got a new best friend, you know? Right. And it's, it's the, you know, it's the teller or whatever. And, um, I'm kind of that same way. And so, um, I always wanted to be around my family and I think had my family have shut me out, just absolutely said, you know what, son, brother, whatever, this, this is it. We're, we're shutting you out. I don't know how that would have played out. I don't know if I would have ended up dead. I don't know if I, I mean, I had been locked up a number of times, but for short stints, nothing crazy. You probably um, would have got clean earlier. Maybe, maybe so, but I don't ever, that's just how, how it worked out for me. I don't yeah. know that. I don't know that I wouldn't have went down the route. You know, I will tell you, I had some very real thoughts sometimes when money was an issue, mm-hmm. um, where I would reach out to my mom and dad and ask for money and the other alternative was like a heinous type crime. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like being very one. real, like I had thoughts at times where I was like, if they don't say yes to me right now, because I never asked for 20 bucks. I asked for, I need a thousand dollars to pay rent, to pay my car broke down this, that, you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, um, fortunately or unfortunately, however you look at it, a lot of times I was able to, to do that. And, um, man, I, w- I really think that I might've robbed a bank or done something insane mm-hmm. like that. So I never look at it as, well, maybe I would have got clean sooner because then I feel like that's putting something on somebody else. When in reality, I needed to figure this out. Yeah. And this is the way that I figured it out. Well, you know? and the way I suggest, you know, and, and because I have had spouses call, you know, um, mm-hmm. or people and, and I, it, you know, because they know I'm their sponsor, mm-hmm. um, about three times. And every time I'm like, look, this is not my mm-hmm. space. Right. I'm not at all supposed to be getting involved in this and I, and I won't, but, um, every time that I've answered, you know, including, you know, yeah. one time with, uh, you know, uh, your wife called me, right. As I said, the only thing that causes change is desperation. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the common denominator for the majority of people. It's some type of desperation. So whether they create that through them, through themselves, through either jail institutions or death, or you create it for them. Mm -hmm. So you think about it when you were saying with the family thing, I know we can't speculate because that's like living in make believe land. Right. But had, had your wife said by the end of this week, if you're not in treatment, I'm packing up, we're going to list the house and I'm out. We're Mm -hmm. done for sure. Done. And, you knew and she, I believed it. And you knew she was solid enough that she right. was doing it. And the right. whole family supported it. Yeah. And the whole family said, we're also done. Right. Don't show up to our house. You would have checked into treatment. Right. Probably. <laughs> Most people probably would have done that. That's um, fair. But I think on the other side of that, too, mm-hmm. is their side of it where it's like, I love this person to the ends of the earth and back. Right. And I'm seeing them in their hardest time. <laughs> right. And I know who the person is below all of the craziness. Mm-hmm. And I can see for myself, I, I now, even in this short 10 months, have been on what I believe to be somewhat of the other side of a couple situations in regards to that, uh, both friends and family. Right. <laughs> Dude, that's a hard thing to tell. You and I can say that mm-hmm. because we, we've... We've been through it. We've lived through it and now are on the other side, but being not experienced with it, not having the answers for what to do and loving someone with all your heart and then telling them and then telling that person, Hey, you know, shit or get off the pot. I think that that's a hard proposition. I would probably, I would probably not be willing a hundred percent to go to the better end, but I, I'm, I, my bluff and stamina for that bluff is a lot higher than theirs. Right. So I know. Right. I know I could bluff it long enough for it to work. Right. And I think that's what a lot of family members do. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Um, do you remember like the first time you used? What was that like? Oh, man. Um, I remember the ultimate first time I quote unquote used was uh, I wouldn't have looked at it as using then was was drinking. And I, I do actually remember I got stupid drunk and was puking at my buddy's house. How but old were you? I was 14. No, really? I was 13. That I was long? 13. I was 13. Um, and, but I'll tell you what I do remember. I remember the first time I did my ultimate drug of choice Mm -hmm. and the only way that I can describe it 
is every single star had aligned. <laughs> it was the most perfect, you know, moment that I had ever. And, and that's, that's hard to say cause it's just so sad, but I remember it being literally like, like magical. Right. And, um, I knew I had done lots of other drugs at this point when I finally came to my drug of choice. And there was a lot of things that I liked about other drugs, but then there was a side effect of those drugs that I hated. Mm -hmm. And because of my drug of choice, when I started it, I didn't know. I genuinely did not know the side effects of what the, the negative was going to be. The other drugs I had an immediate side effect from not sleeping. Right. Right. Um, absolutely feeling just, I mean, going to a club all night and feeling just the Horrible. stupid, awful the next day. All of those things were immediate. I didn't realize with my drug of choice that, hey, dude, once you take this over the limit, you go past 24 hours without using that, you're going to feel like you want to jump off a cliff. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, but I didn't know that. And so I just continued to say, hey, this is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. And at that point, I had the resources to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And until I very first experienced, I, I honestly remember the first time I didn't have it, not know it, thought I was just sick. Yeah. I literally Same. thought. Same here. I was like, man, I must be getting, I must be getting the flu or something. Good. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know. And, um, God, I had a lot of those flus. My first, uh, my first use was, uh, because of my mother. There was a. You say because of your mother. Mm-hmm, yeah. You're saying she she's shared something with you? Or? Yeah, she's an okay. alcoholic. I was between 8 to 10, and I only know that because of how good my memory was of it. Plus, we moved out of this apartment at 10. Mm-hmm. And um, what I remember is, and this happened multiple times, I can't remember how many, but I remember having a conscious thought just being social and like to liking to be around people. And, you know, my father was shot and killed, mm-hmm. you know, when I was a year old. So right. all those people really respected me and loved me cause I was, you know, right. my father's son. And, um, and, uh, so I remember like late night we, and, and again, this is an alcoholic, crazy seventies, eighties house. So my sister and I could just be up playing around while they were partying, but uh, I would be able to walk through and I knew it and, it and it would work. I'd walk through and they were all sitting at a table playing quarters. And for those of you on the, that are listening to this, if you are quarters is a game where there's a little coffee mug in the middle of the table, Think. half, half filled with beer and you'd bounce a quarter on the table and whoever, whoever made it, you'd had, had you'd, you could tell who to drink it. Right. So, um, they'd say, Hey, do the, do the quarter. And I, and I would do it and I would make that shit almost every time. <laughs> and I would get to drink. I would get to down that whole coffee mug. And, and, and she didn't, she, she thought it was cute probably. Yep. She right? thought it was cute and they wouldn't just let me stay in there and play. Right. But I would be out and I remember that, like, you know, I remember that feeling like the cold stomach, weird feeling with the, with the beer in it. And, and then the uh, warm feeling afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's my first use. Um, not a conscious use, but my first time using, which probably drew a good path for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I when I when I look back on all my use from a recovery lens, um, I can see a lot of. Um, I can see it. Like I guess when I say I can see it, what I, what I more mean is like I can see in my daily life today where my addiction spills into just. Do you see that like mm-hmm. in your life? Like when I'm working, I'm lasered in on whatever it is that I'm doing, you know, music, you know, I love music. So what do I do? I spend $25,000 on mm-hmm. a music studio right. right in my basement, which by the way is beautiful. Use it all the time, but I use it for work. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the last time I've been truly down there making music. Mm-hmm. And so I see it spill into all of these different areas of my life. So now I think the challenge for me is to continue to use it in a productive manner. Um, I've seen you be able to do that. Um, I'm, you know, I'm so, as you know, so super excited about being a father. Um, and, um, but I'm nervous too, cause it's something that I have no idea. I'm sure, you know, I've got 10 nieces and nephews. Um, so I know how to, to be with kids, but, mm-hmm. I, but I've never been a dad, you know? Yeah. And I think that's my newest adventure of like, how can I, 
be productively clean and be awesome at, you know, being, what is it like overzealous about what I'm doing, but not take it too far. Does that make sense? The positive thing that you'll have that I have is that, uh, you know, your child will never have to be in that, that cycle and be a part of that because so many kids are. Because your kids haven't seen you. No. Right. Was um, seven months, I think seven months old when Mm -hmm. I checked in. Okay. So she has no idea. So she's never seen it. So the only person in your active life that's really seen it has been family. And And not even really family, you know, uh, you know, she's the only one that really got the full brunt and a couple other people that I would date here and there. Right that knew and then some of them didn't even know i remember um this 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 woman that i dated um she literally probably several times asked me um are you bipolar (laughs) (laughs) and the crazy thing is is i'm the polar opposite of that behavior oh you and i wake up like like yeah piss and vinegar like ready to rock i never have like if it's a weird day where i'm in a funk it's it's once a year twice a year and then i'm not even able to exist in that moment because most people are like trying to manage or check in on me you know what's up what's up with you today right is everything okay (laughs) it's everything Oh, what's, dude, what's I would notice on? that in a heartbeat. What's going on? I would notice that in a heartbeat if you were just, yeah, just like I think, I mean, you've told me a hundred times when I was using that, like the moment that I would call you, you said my voice is different, mm-hmm. the way that I would enunciate or not enunciate or whatever my words was different. This is what you would do. And maybe you stopped <laughs> it because I told you, but this is the way you would answer the phone or the way you would announce. If I, the now phone. are you talking... Using active addiction, using, okay. Using, this is what you would say every phone call. And I knew you'd be like, what's up? And you don't even say that at all. No, I don't. I don't even, (laughs) you're like, I think that's a long, I think that's stopped a long time ago with the beer, with the beer commercials. Yeah. What's what's up, dude? (laughs) What's up? Uh, You know? And I would just be like, Oh, you know? I just, I would know, but again, I wouldn't push you that much. I would just right. ask you if you're clean right. and do the same thing that I do with everybody, you know, right. that you're, it is selfish and is almost of a crappy comment. It sounds is like it's, this is, if you use throughout us working together, this is not going to affect you right. or it's not going to affect, affect me. Right. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. I'm being of service. I'm doing what I can. And, right. uh, this is only going to affect you. So no, totally. it's best but, to be honest, but that's, but that's a, that's a hard one too, in regards to being <clears throat> on that side of it too, because now that I've been on the side of it, of asking someone that mm-hmm. recently, I've asked a couple people that, but someone in particular, yeah. and there's that little sliver of me that wants to believe yeah. that it's not going on but all of the evidence is showing me contrary and the goodness in me and the love for the other person in me wants to say, but you've, you've, sh- you've showed me through your actions and the things that you say with me, like that's not the, you still have to be the vessel yeah, for that person. That's not and then purpose. ultimately, right. And ultimately you did that for me for a long time. You would know, like, you know, mm-hmm. and I can't even imagine. That's one of the things I'll just thank you on here. Like, I'm super grateful for that, that you, I don't think that I got that same response from a lot of people. I think it, I think I was 90 day, you know, yeah. ins- insert my name. There, yeah. Right. And that was my thing. Like I could get it together, whatever. And I think at some point people get to the point where they're like, and I know my family was probably at this point, like until just recently, I don't think that my family truly had a grasp on whether they, if you ask them to be brutally honest, whether they, you know, really believe that I was going to continue or not. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I do know for me finally, like that I'm just so grateful for the, and I can't truly explain it, but it's a spiritual awakening mm-hmm. for me waking up in the morning knowing like, okay, like let's, let's get after another day. It's not, Waking up in the morning, oh my gosh, I got to run into the bathroom. I yeah. got to get something, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't know, man. It's been it's been awesome 
the, the side of recovery now in terms of being able to meet here with you, we met here yesterday and you forgot the, you know, the, the, the recording device, the only thing you needed to do the job, the only thing we needed. And, um, my response back in the day would have been, Oh my gosh, this just threw off my whole day. My response yesterday was like, well, cool. I still got to see, still got to see you, you know what I mean? Chat for a few minutes, hang out or whatever. And Man, it's been freaking awesome. I'm really glad that you have me on here, dude. Yeah, we'll definitely do it again. I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot. We to could talk share about. war stories and talk about a lot of things <laughs> forever. We there's could talk about Call of Duty stories. and we got tons of funny <laughs> stories. But no, dude, I I do. I I appreciate you having me on here. Um, this recovery thing's great. I'm gonna keep yeah. keep pressing on and I know you are too. So it's it's I awesome. love you, man. Love you, man.